today on Real Radio. For 21 centuries, that exact same gospel has been preached and is being preached, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, rose again from the dead. You can't get to heaven by good works, but by trusting God alone. And God comes in and he washes all your sin guilt away and he puts his Holy Spirit in you and he begins to live his life through you. Welcome to Real Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. On today's edition of Real Radio, Pastor Jack now in a message called The Christian Life, Part 4, continues in a series called Anchored, a study in 1 Peter. You know, the Apostle Peter was one of the 12 disciples of Christ and later on became the leader of the first church. Now, we all know there were times when Peter failed the Lord, but he learned that through Christ, he could have joy even in the midst of failure and all the pain that that caused. In part three, Peter tells us that the Christian life is a life of love. We no longer desire the things of this world that wither and decay, but we're known by our love and obedience to the Lord. Human love is flawed. It goes after material things and status. But when we live under God's love and influence, well, our desires change. We take our eyes off of ourselves and advance the lives of others, often at our own expense. So today, on day one of this message, Pastor Jack tells us that Christian love can permeate a very dark world. The gospel message of salvation lights up the darkness and will never be defeated. It's only through Jesus Christ the world can experience true love and be saved. And now in his message called The Christian Life, Part 4, here's pastor and Bible teacher Jack Hibbs. First Peter, James chapter 1, verse 22 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only. Look at the danger. If you just listen to a sermon but never in intend to do it, you deceive yourselves. Isn't that scary? Think about it. The Bible comes into you, and if you've got a heart to obey it, then it's going to be power to you. But if you listen to a Bible study and you do not intend to do it, that very word that brings life can actually bring death to you. It will pull you down because you don't intend to do anything with it and it becomes rather, rather than a balloon to lift you up, it becomes an anchor to pull you down. Verse 23, James chapter one says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Think of that. You forget what you look like. This morning I got up and I got ready to go. I just got ready to leave the house. And then I looked in the mirror and I don't know if you can see it or not. Hopefully you can't, but I've got all these spots on my face. See, so what happened to you? Did you get in a fight? I did. I got in a fight with a dermatologist and he cut a bunch of stuff out of my face because of the sun. And, and I forgot what I looked like until I looked in the mirror this morning and I realized, boy, do I look messed up this morning. I look like I got in a cat fight. Uh, and then I forgot about it until I just read this word mirror. We have a tendency to look at our lives and then we glance at it for a moment. God is speaking to us in a moment. When we open up the Bible, which is the mirror of God's righteousness, of God's holiness, we look into the mirror and it reflects to us who God is and who I am. And then we shut the Bible and we walk away. We forget what we are. That verse goes on to say, for he who observes himself goes away, immediately forgets what kind of man he is. Verse 25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed 
Look at that. Mark it. This one will be blessed. Don't you want to be blessed? This one will be blessed in what he does. Verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. This is, a, this is good news if you want to love God and obey God. And we saw this in several ways, that it's truth. To obey is to know the truth of God. Verse 22. We saw also that to obey is to be under God's influence. And we left off in the third installment of verse 22, and that is to obey is to be empowered by love. That is, of course, his love. It says to love one another fervently with a pure heart, to love God. Church, the Bible tells us, I'll paraphrase it for time's sake, the Bible tells us in the book of Exodus, when God gave the Ten Commandments, in Exodus 20, verse 1, it says, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves any graven image, that's an idol, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is earth or on earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. Listen, for the Lord your God am a jealous God. The word jealous God means I'm a God who loves you and wants your heart. He's not jealous like you and I think of jealousy where it's sick and weird and strange. A jealousy that is singular passionate about you. God says, I'm jealous over you. Listen, every one of us wants and rejoices in the fact that God says, I'm jealous over Jack. I'm jealous over you. God loves you specifically and powerfully. The truth of the matter is God speaks to us regarding this and he puts his love on display in the person of Jesus. Who's your, who's your leader? Think about it. Who is your leader in life? Who is your role model? There may be many, but I would hope that at the top, there's only one. You know what I'm saying? There's only one. And that's Jesus. The Bible tells us in John 13, verse 34, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Verse 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples. Listen, not by memory verses. That's good though. Not by church attendance. Well, that's good though. Not by anything else except this. As we looked at last week, we press again today, love, loving one another. Remember church, the challenge that you are to love those that are nearest you. You don't need to get all caught up in trying to love those that are from afar. Start, as it were, in your own Jerusalem, then your Judea, then your Samaria, then to your uttermost parts of the earth, showing the love of God. That means we should be falling over. Remember what I said, falling over one another to reach out to love one another. This is the example that God gives us when he says, I love you. And so we would say, God, how do I love you back? It would be this way, loving one another. Because if you love one another, which by the way, you can't do unless you love God first properly, then that would say that you love Jesus. And notice the example that he gives us in John 16, verse 27. The Bible says, Jesus is speaking for the Father himself loves you. Boy, you know, I challenge you right now. Go all around the world, read all the comparative religions of the world. You will find that statement nowhere else. You will never find anywhere that Buddha loves you. Did you know that? 
I've, I've read the Quran. I've never seen anything in there where it says Allah loves you. Look around all the world. 2,000 years ago, the Bible announced that God loves you. The Bible says, because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. Jesus goes to the Father, having given us an example, but he leaves us behind. He leaves us here. And Jesus would call us into this world to go live that life of love and of caring. You know, those pictures we saw a moment ago, those little video uh, testimonies of those kids that had been affected by release time education. Now, I don't know those children. I don't know. Maybe some of those kids or all those kids were your kids. I don't know. But because that is release time education and it goes out into the world of the public school system, it's, there's a high probability that those kids don't have Christian homes. And they go and they hear the gospel and they, they make their commitment. They make their decision regarding Jesus. How did that happen? You say, well, I don't even know who those kids are, Pastor Jack. No, you know what? I don't either. But did, did you not make it possible for them to hear that God loves them? Huh. Did you not say, I don't, I've never met them. But guess what? They may live down the street from you. We don't know who they are. They, they might be on the, on, on near my house. I don't know. But your support, my support for them has caused them to hear the gospel. And you'll know that in eternity. This last week, I was reminded of a venture that you're involved in. It's not yet time to reveal to you. Want to make sure everything goes through okay, but you have played a huge role, and it hasn't even happened fully yet. You have played a huge role in reaching cultures down in the South Pacific of Polynesian belief systems, pagan. And you have made it possible for the gospel to go down and to be heard into the ears of people that you and I will never meet in this world. How is that possible? Because you love God. And what you invest in regarding God's word and getting it out, in the end, you're gonna stand before God and there's gonna be somebody that comes up and praises the Lord in eternity. And you will have been the one responsible for having gotten the gospel to them in East Timor, and you never met them on earth. And I don't know how it's going to come down, but I can almost sense in some holy fashion, there's going to be somewhat of a thank you. Can you imagine? I can imagine. I like imagining that. Because of love, reaching out. And by the way, it's our love that's going to counter a dark world that you and I live in now. True, active, Christian love. You know, Jesus said something, and I'm, I'm, I'm dangerously now going from memory, so hang on to your seats. Jesus said, regarding the kingdom of God, it's a very rare verse. In the Gospels, Jesus said, the kingdom of God suffers violence. The word means the kingdom of God's attacked. And then he turns right around in the next breath and says, but the violent take it by force. It's a very unusual statement. The world wars against the gospel. Persecution, attack. Brother Andrew in Turkey and imprisoned. And other parts of the world as well. Christians under attack. The world attacks the love of God. 
But Jesus says, but the violent. See, are you, is Jesus implying we're violent? He, listen, he uses the word that we would say today, but countering the world is the tenacious. The tenacious are those who have faith in God no matter what their physical, emotional weakness might be. We have our weaknesses, but our God is awesome. Our God is great. The Holy Spirit is present. We may be weak, but he is strong. And we get up and we say, you know what? Because I have this eternal message, because God is on his throne, his Holy Spirit lives in me, I'm gonna stand up against a raging world and I'm gonna go into that world. And Jesus said it, but the violent take it by force. We take the gospel everywhere. It cannot be defeated, it cannot be stopped. And God in you, being the hope of glory, is exactly what the world needs to see in a hopeless world. You are the light of the world. This is the Christian life. God armed you with the Bible in you, it starts to come out of you. It's glorious, it's awesome, it's powerful. Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 20, in what is known as the high priestly prayer of Jesus, John 17, 20, Jesus said as he prayed to the Father, he says, I do not pray for these alone, that is I don't pray for my disciples only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. I love that. You ought to pause sometime, do a study on the pathology of verse 20. What does that mean? You, you go home and ask yourself that question, study that. What does that verse mean? Did this verse happen? Did Jesus, did the Father answer Jesus' prayer? And all the while you're asking these deep, probing, good questions that you should do in Bible study, just take your index finger and point it up, turn it right around, and point it in your chest at you. Jesus is praying to the Father, Father, I'm not only asking you to bless these disciples, but I'm asking you to bless every one of those who come to faith in me by word of the mouth of these disciples, and there's no limit on that. There's no expiration date on that. For 21 centuries, that exact same gospel has been preached and is being preached, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins rose again from the dead. You can't get to heaven by good works, but by trusting God alone. And God comes in and he washes all your sin guilt away and he puts his Holy Spirit in you and he begins to live his life through you. This is the Christian life. John 17 goes on, verse 21. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. That the world, here's the reason, that the world may believe that you sent me. Wow. This is the purpose of the Christian life. If somebody asks you today, oh, where did you come from? Oh, we came from church today. Oh, what's that all about? Well, it's all about God through my life letting you know that Jesus Christ is Lord and he loves you and he wants you to be in his family. That the whole world might believe that's your mission. You say, well, I, I thought I'm an engineer at Raytheon. You may be, but your mission first as a Christian. Raytheon puts food on your table. Are you with me? Are you a school teacher? Yes, I am. Listen, the school puts food on your table. Are you a contractor? Food on your table. Outside of that, listen, when it comes to the reason why we exist, it's that the whole world might believe. Because look, everything else is gonna fade away, friends. We work hard at our jobs to feed our family and put a roof over our head, and we're supposed to. That's to keep us going. 
that we might tell others. I'm still in John 17, which is not even our Bible study for today, but verse 24 says, Father, listen to him, listen to Jesus. I desire that they also whom you gave me may be where I am. Oh, I I wish the Father would answer that prayer today. And that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Father, Abba, Jesus would say, Abba, Papa, I'm leaving here. According to your great plan, Father, I've submitted my life in this flesh that I've taken upon me as a human, having come from heaven to earth to live as a human, to die in their place for their salvation. I'm coming home. And so, Father, commission them, send them out, not only them, but all those who will hear this gospel that will originate from their mouths. And, oh, Father, I also pray. Isn't it sweet? Oh, Father, I also pray that where I am, they might be. That's Jesus' prayer saying, Father, I'm coming home. It'd sure be nice if they could come home with me now. It'd sure be wonderful if I could just bring them now. I wish Jesus would have done that. Of course, he's got a plan, and my wish is silly. Because God's got a job for you and I to do and to live and a mission for you and I to complete. But soon, friends, remember that guy, what's his name? Uh, Andre Crouch. Remember that song, Soon and Very Soon. We're going to see the king. Someday, the father's going to answer Jesus' prayer. By the way, Jesus said regarding that, no man knows the day or the hour. I nor angels know, know the day or the hour, but my father only. Jesus said that while he was on earth. It's debated today. Now that Jesus is resurrected and in heaven, does Jesus now know the time of his coming? Some scholars say yes, and I'm good with that. Some scholars say no, and I'm good with that. That part of the humanity of Jesus still today, ladies and gentlemen, at at 34 minutes after the hour in eternity, there's a man sitting at the right hand of God the Father, the resurrected God-man, Jesus Christ. And in that humanity, it may be that he still has not been given the hour in which he's allowed to come to get the bride, which fits, by the way, Jewish culture. When the son prepares the house, gets the house ready, by the way, in the Middle East, in Israel, the the father builds the home, and they always leave the roof undone. That's for the next generation, and then for the next generation. (laughs) Can you imagine the father... Turning to the son, as it was in old times, saying, all right, son, I've inspected everything that you've done, all the construction you've been working on. By the way, didn't Jesus say in John 14, I go now to prepare a place for you that where I am there, you may be also? Jesus is preparing. He's preparing. Can you imagine at some point the father might say soon, stop, stop, that's enough. That, that you just, I don't know, in my mind's eye, I, mean, I see Chip and Joanna Gaines building the perfect, making the perfect home, and she puts her little vase just at the right spot, and at some point, it's done. And that's when your jaw drops, when they show you what they did to this junk of a house. Can you imagine? God made the earth and the heavens and all that there is in a matter of days. For 2,000 years, Jesus has been preparing for us heaven, our abode, the dwelling places, the Bible says. For in my father's house are many mansions. The word means supreme, beautiful, dwelling places. What does that mean? I don't know. I do not know what it means. 
I just know, I'm glad I do not know what it means because it must be awesome. It must be Chip and Joanna Gaines on steroids times a billion. And the father's gonna say, son, go get her. And the Bible says he's gonna come in the clouds and he's gonna shout and the trumpet blast will blow and there's gonna be the resurrection of the dead and those who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and we will be with him always. Jesus said, Father, I want them with me. It's comforting to me that Jesus wants us with him. Do you wanna go to heaven? God wants you in heaven more than you wanna be there. Do you love Jesus? Listen, God's love for you, Jesus' love for you transcends your love for him. Matthew chapter five, verse eight said, says there, Jesus, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Love. And Jesus tells us that in the last days, and we're living it right now. In Matthew 24, verse 12, Jesus describes the days preceding the second coming the advent of the Antichrist and all those terrible times that are coming for the future cannot be far away when Jesus says, because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Look at that verse, church. Hey, if you're an atheist today, take a look at that verse. You'd be an absolute buffoon to say that's not true. You'd be a, you'd be a denier if you were to look at that verse and say, that ain't happening. Ladies and gentlemen, we are well into the lawlessness abounding because love, man's love for man has died, is dying. It is a cultural fact that in the mind of a human being, when the existence of God is no longer the fence and the borders and the boundaries of a man's thinking, and God is absent from a man's mind, that man turns into a beast. The most lofty as C.S. Lewis talks about how bad, how bad can a man be? The, the word that is understood is infinitely bad. Did you know that? The only thing that can be infinitely worse than us in, in the created world is an angel. You know a fallen angel can be, because they're angels. They are created angels. But how, how good can an angel be? Very, very good. Well then if an angel falls, how bad can an angel be? Very, very bad. Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs, here on Real Radio, in a message called The Christian Life, Part 4. Thanks for joining us today, and let's thank the Lord today for His love and salvation. We need it right now more than ever. The Christian Life, Part 4. It's part of Pastor Jack's series called Anchored, a study in 1 Peter. It's a series that takes us through the life and times of the Apostle Peter, whose love for Jesus Christ carried him through great persecution and whose compassion for others still inspires us today. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Radio. You know, Peter denied knowing Jesus not once, but three times. When Jesus was entering into the darkest period of his life here on earth, Peter swore that he didn't even know Jesus. Still, Jesus not only forgave Peter, he appointed him leader of the first church. It was truly a humbling experience for Peter, after all, Peter was devastated for letting Jesus down when he needed him the most. But Peter was determined not to fail the Lord again. This time, through the power of the Holy Spirit and constant communion with his Savior, he remained faithful to the end. I think we're all capable of being like Peter. 
If we don't stay close to the Lord, we lose battle after battle, and eventually we lose our way. That's where a devotional time with the Lord comes in, and it's why Pastor Jack made it a priority to include devotions at his website. Simply go to reallifewithjackhibbs.org, click on that tab labeled Devotions. Once you're there, you'll find a weekly devotion that Pastor Jack personally writes, along with a verse that you can use to create your own story. You'll also find previous devotions you can click on for daily use. Again, devotions are right there at our website, reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. I'm David J. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Radio.